Hold on to your butt. I'm, of course, surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Whoa, is us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our job. Joey Clark. Uh, hello and welcome to the program. You're listening to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. I'm your host, Joey. And what a Christmas. You know, personally, I'm doing fantastic. And from that place, I say to hell, yes, to Hades with New Year's resolutions. I resolve to lose weight. I resolve to eat healthier. I resolve to, you know, listen more to my friends and family. All great things. I resolve to make more money or to save more money. Or to walk the dog a little more often. I resolve, I resolve, I resolve. All great things. You should pay attention to your family and friends. Probably more than you already do. If you're feeling unhealthy, if you're feeling tired during the day, you maybe want to change your eating habits. Maybe you want to exercise a little more. But it's not enough with all these resolutions that will surely be made to just think about it. Or at least to just make it a, an intellectual promise, sort of a holiday tradition that we make these resolutions and then we don't ever follow through. We go to the gym, maybe two weeks, if that. It's not about resolve because of New Year's here. If that is what gives you true inspiration, I find it odd. I would say that you should resolve to do all sorts of great things in your life for yourself and others. That you should resolve to foster the key virtues. Because you're worth it. So I'm coming from a great place. Not a perfect place. I'm not exactly content or satiated or satisfied with where I am in life. But I'm not tortured by it either. You see, for a long time I was tortured by where I was in life, how unhappy I was with myself. And now that I've seemingly gotten out of that funk, out of those blues, I've started to realize that life often is a series of tragedies only occasionally interrupted by comedy at least that's been life for most human beings that ever have ever lived or died on this planet we're the lucky ones folks a lot of our lives get to be comedy which doesn't always mean a good guffaw or a true laugh out loud moment 
but that even our failures, our mistakes, don't hobble us, don't injure us too deeply. That for the most part, life is good, even for people struggling. But it always comes back. Tragedy always does seem to strike. Whether you expect it or not. It could be personal tragedy. It could be tragedy on a mass scale that affects millions of lives. But it does seem to always sneak back into the picture. And remind us who live so carefree, and I'm one of them, it reminds us that things aren't always so happy-go-lucky. The lights won't always be on. Christmas won't always be merry and bright or holly and jolly. And that New Year's resolutions often go out the window. I'm not saying that from a cynical perspective. I'm saying that in the sense that we have to prepare ourselves when tragedy strikes. Prepare ourselves for those times. Because when we're struck blind by them and taken by surprise, we should be ready to meet those things we fear the most, those pains we never wanted to experience. Instead of doing what I have done throughout most of my life, to be completely honest, when you see something tragic or something that disappoints, it doesn't quite live up to what you hope for, or something that is just bleak. I used to respond to those sorts of situations well, what difference does it make? Devil may care. I used to respond to those situations with more destructive behavior, self-destructive behavior. And I'm not completely out of that. I know it always has the, the potential to come back to sneak up on me and for my old habits to be remade anew. So many people around me this Christmas, while I'm doing so well, I feel like I'm coming out of a long, dark night of the soul. And I see other people suffering tragedies. Whether it's a beloved man who dies on Christmas night or colleagues whose house burns down to the ground. Or a listener whose wife dies right before Christmas. Christmas. 
or that sneaking suspicion that when you meet with the family, people don't quite have the same pep in their step as they have before, that people aren't well, quite as excited to see one another. The dynamics have changed. The zeal for life and for the holidays just isn't quite there. Well, the way we respond to all these things is to resolve, not because of the year, but to resolve that we can look to the, to the horizon, set a new course, find a different summit, and keep moving forward. And in that way, we can look at all these terrible things that happen in our lives. Whether it's during the holidays or some random day on the calendar, flag day. It's not much of a holiday, right? No matter when it comes. The most tragic day on my calendar is July 8th, 2015. And for those who have listened to me... You probably know what my most tragic day is. I'm not going to go into it here and now. But the reason I'm feeling better personally is that at a certain point, you realize it doesn't have to always make sense. That it's all right. That you don't necessarily know as long as you're working towards figuring out what inspires you. As long as you're working towards a lofty goal. And I can't speak for others, I can only speak for myself. But it has to be something... More spiritual, if I could use that word, than I want to lose weight. Or I want to be kinder to others. You know, this show is only three and a half months old. And I was really racking my brain when I started it. That with all this craziness going on in the world and potential tragedies on the horizon, do I really just want to be another political pundit? Take up the flag of conservatism or the Republican Party or Trump or the populist or the Democrats or the progressives or even the flag of libertarianism or anarchism or whatever. Do I really just want to be another political voice in this world gone mad? I said to myself, I can't do it. You know that's not what's driving you anymore, Joey. It's not about some great political victory. It's about people. about looking to understand people. 
no matter where they come from. And that doesn't mean there won't be consequences. If you harm somebody, God forbid, if you murder somebody, there should be consequences. If you steal from somebody, there should be consequences. And if you engage in self-destructive behavior, well, I know it all too well. There are going to be consequences. But if we can look past the political moment, if we can look past all our faults in life, if we can look past the pain we feel, stop being petty little tyrants who are always looking to impose the rule or impose consequences, whether on ourselves or others, instead take a step back and seek understanding. I think we'll all be the better for it. So I said, I want to understand what it really means to be a faithful person, whether you believe in a traditional religion or not. What it means to be a hopeful and loving person. Somebody with courage. Somebody with a sense of what is right and wrong, a sense of justice. Somebody who's prudent. Yet also moderate. temperate and that these things won't be just rules that you follow every day but things you work towards and you fail then you take a step forward and you slip and fall but you get back up again and you keep working towards them and when I examine myself I think the number one lacking virtue well two courage then cowardice has been my biggest vice and it's led me to self-destructive behavior but also faith now I still consider myself an atheist but faith is so important faith are those things you can't necessarily prove those things that don't necessarily make sense It's that part of you that exists long before you start thinking as an adult. You know, I didn't know Ben Hagler that well. I was starting to. At the Christmas party, he told me the story about all the stickers around the bars. And the promoter who set that up and kept surprising him town after town, bar after bar. I do remember some nights when I look back on it now and I look at myself and I was really self-medicating with drink. And I remember happy moments in the midst of what was a personal tragedy. People that were the comic relief. People that did say, relax a little bit, man, and enjoy life. And I have to say, Ben Hagler, when that man was on a stage, whether it was open mic night, when I'm over there with another one of my dear friends, Matt Wujic, who's also deceased, 
we're trying to put together Tom Petty's breakdown, and we have our little moment at the open mic, and there's Ben up there. Or him at Sinclair's, or him at 1048. Especially when he was at his wedding playing. Whether on the drums or just up there singing. In my opinion, I'm saying this as a guy who didn't know Ben that well, who wanted to get to know him, and was, but like I said, tragedy can strike. Ben was his best self, in my opinion, when he was behind that drum kit. When he was focused and just enjoying the moment. And that's why music has been such a big part of this show. So, oh, here's what the hipsters do, or here's this guy who's obsessed with music long before his time. It, no, music, I'm one of those types of folks, one of those types of people, where music really speaks to a part of me that become, comes way before you start thinking about the world. Or speaking about the world. Music hits you in that deep place. It's almost a physical sensation. And though I never got to stand on the stage in the same way Ben Hagler did, and Ben maybe never reached the same heights as bigger stages as some others will and have, but it doesn't matter the size of the stage. If anybody out there has ever played with a group of folks, when you find that groove, when you find that song, even when it's a cover, and you're sitting there alongside a friend and playing that music together, you lose yourself in the best way possible. You lose yourself in the music. And when you do that, you seem to, counterintuitively, and this might sound like a paradox, you seem to find yourself in concert with others. No, I had some great laughs and some great shows popping in on the news and views guys alongside Ben. Sharing a laugh here or there. Saw him at the bar a few times. He could tell some tales about me when I was not behaving. My memory of Ben Hagler will always be that man on a stage. And unfortunately, sometimes it takes a tragedy for you to go, man, this guy I'm just getting to know, that I took way too long to know. He had an effect on me. You know, somebody called me at midnight, just as Christmas Day was turning into the 26th. And he was uh, the first person who told me about the news that Ben Hagler had passed on Christmas Eve, or Christmas evening, the night of Christmas. And this gentleman, uh, you could probably guess who he, who he is, but I'm 
I'll just say he was distraught, shaking. I could hear it in his voice. He said he knew Ben since Ben was a little boy. And it hit me that this guy I kind of knew, I had some fun times with, and so many people knew him and loved him and will continue to love him. Maybe it's because I experienced tragedy in my own life that I started to think about these things. To want to seek understanding and appreciate the little things in life. The small gesture. But a big part of me couldn't keep going on just talking about politics. Talking about the latest thing in the news. Playing a role for this or that party or this or that cause. I had to set my eyes on a goal that's a little loftier than rooting for the right team. And honestly, it scares me a little bit. I don't know exactly where I'm going. But I know I want to appreciate and again, understand others more than I have in my past. To face the hard times in my life and the tragedies in my life with resolve and courage. And to help console others, whether it's through a good laugh and gallows humor or through calm ear and a hug when they go through their own tragedies. Really, I'm tired of fake community that politics passes for. And I wanted to appreciate the community right in front of me. Now, that's hard to do when I hide behind a microphone and I barely get out of the house. But I'm slowly but surely getting out of the house. I just hate that in the case of Ben Hagler, it was uh, too late. A lot of people will miss you, Ben. I didn't realize I'd be saying, but I'm going to miss you, man. You don't go into the holiday weekend after having a good laugh and actually starting to share stories with a guy at an office party that you'd be saying, I'm going to miss you, but I will. So many people will. You know, this past weekend when I was, you know, piddling around town, had some free time, went to a record store. There are so many records I wanted to buy. Lots of them. But, you know, they cost money. So, I decided, let's get one for my roommate. And he's into all this old soul music. We've been fellow travelers into 
the funkin' soul of Johnny Taylor or Teddy Pendergrass, Tyrone Davis, or the OJs or Cool and the Gang. I'm sitting here thinking, what am I, I want to get something for him. And I ended up getting a very classic album, an iconic album in many ways. This song came about, well, not from Marvin himself, but from Obi Benson, one of the members of the Four Tops. He saw, well, what happened on what's called Bloody Thursday at Berkeley in 1969. Eventually, the song finds its way to Marvin. He he does some edits. And essentially, Marvin Gaye said, how can I keep singing love songs when all this stuff in the world is going on? And essentially, this is a love song, but it's beyond romance or this or that cause. It's about positive peace and understanding. And I highly recommend this album. Because it flows. There is no clear end of one song and the beginning of another. It just flows together. And I know I'm all over the place tonight, but then I'll miss you. And folks, I don't resolve because it's a new year to do better and to become more virtuous. I resolve to do those things because, well, you're worth it. This life is worth it. And it's too damn short sometimes to wait. Listen to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. I'll be right back after this. Uh, Yes, you're hearing it right, folks. I am playing When You Wish Upon a Star. When you wish upon a star Make no difference who you are Anything your heart desires will come Last time I think I, you know, I've used this song as a punchline. Kind of the fanciful dreams and 
empty promises of politicians. But the last time I heard this was uh, on a cruise, on a Disney cruise. And I was, again, in that real dark, pretty self-destructive place. I was trying to pull myself out of it by just, you know, force of knowledge alone. Completely rational thinking. And it's a Disney cruise, so everywhere on the ship is Disney songs. Under the sea. Oh, I just can't wait to be king. Which really sucks when you bring a guitar on the cruise ship and, you know, there's nowhere to play in peace. And one night, I go with the family. This is right after I graduate from Auburn. Again, I, I like... I graduated, and I think I felt so empty because graduating from college, so much of my academic career in school, it didn't feel like my goals, my dreams, my desires. It felt like something I had to do. And not even a duty in any sort of moral sense, just this is the path you go along if you want to be a good boy. I didn't feel like I was growing up at all. So we're on this cruise. Me, unhappy about all that stuff I just said. Very conflicted. And we go see a play on the ship. And being that, it, again, it's a Disney cruise, it is a spectacular production in terms of the sets and the actors. It's remarkable. But because of the place I was in, that everything must make sense. Rationality is our only light in this world. The message of the little girl essentially to her dad, who's this botanist. The dad can't seem to understand it. And I didn't learn the lesson, but she says, Dad, magic makes the garden grow, not your science. And in my mind, at that time, like, what a terrible message to tell kids. Yeah, we'll just wish upon a star that the flowers will grow up. There's nothing at all that has to do with water or sunlight or the correct soil. Let's not teach them any of the science. But that was my cynical, very conflicted side coming out. I see now that... Um, well, again, the most important things in our lives are first found in the fabric of our fictions. And I don't use fiction in a way that it's a bad thing, like fake news or falsity. It's not what I mean by fiction. Same thing when I say myth and mythology, that that's a myth. It's not to put something down, to put a certain story or narrative down. It's to say that these things, we don't know if we could verify them in any scientific way. But they inspire us all the same to look to loftier goals, to the horizon. You know, all these folks arguing over Star Wars, like my brother and his girlfriend and her father came back and they'd seen Star Wars and they hated it. And, I mean, each to their own. This movie has been very divisive. But I had what you could describe as a transcendent experience seeing that movie. Not like the greatest of my life, but 
I realize this is such a big moment and the central messages that are being shared. If you get away from all the minutiae of, oh, there's too much humor and so-and-so, this plot point doesn't make any sense and there are holes in the movie. It's like Swiss cheese. This isn't Star Wars. I think all valid criticisms in some ways. It's not a perfect movie. But what took me away was how epic, how sublime... At how centered the message was. And it wasn't an escape. It reminded me of all the stuff I'm trying to foster in my own life. And so over the weekend, I'm listening to some lectures by Jordan Peterson. Now I think he got in some hot water, well, uh, a year ago, over some transgender debate. I think Peterson is more than willing to have the argument, but he didn't like the idea that the law should come in and tell him these are the legal words. Which I completely agree with him with. You know, free speech. Speech is one of the first things that earliest human beings probably had that separated us from others on this planet, other animals. And that no matter how often somebody imposes their will on you or threatens punishment, you have the freedom to speak. It's just a fact. You can punish me or not with your laws, if you wish, but I'm going to say what I want. But if you look into Jordan Peterson, so much of his career has nothing to do with politics or arguments in the classroom over new laws. Most of it is... Well, learning how to find the great narratives in life. Narratives that um, touch every culture and almost every person. And one of the first examples he gives to students is the story, in particular the Disney movie, Pinocchio. Peterson said in one speech that Pinocchio is a very complicated story in the Disney version and in previous versions with a deep mythological base. One of the things that happens in Pinocchio, a lot of strange things happen that people just swallow, right? There's a puppet that turns into a human being. There's talking cats. There's blue fairies. There's stars. There's whales that eat people but don't really completely consume them or digest them. And everyone swallows that all these things with no problem, right? You go to see Pinocchio, you don't even notice that a puppet has just gone into a whale and you know, what the hell's going on? And the reason you don't notice, says Jordan Peterson, is that it's because it means something. And you don't know what it means exactly, but you know that it means something and you're willing to ride on with it. A lot of Peterson's work is saying that there are these deeper meanings and triggers in us. Good ones and bad. That human beings since the beginning, even before history, have been experiencing in different ways. And in many ways, I have uh, I've been tyrannical towards myself. It's given me some insight that we are all very capable of awful things. That will have consequences for ourselves, probably consequences legally. 
But let's not look at somebody who commits a horrible act as a complete alien. We have to understand that people in certain circumstances go down certain rabbit holes that they're not that different than us. They've just had different experiences. And they don't necessarily have Jiminy Cricket there to say, look to the horizon and wish upon a star. It's accessible to anybody. No, they feel trapped. And they feel like life is something they need to destroy. Whether their own or others. In overt ways, like actually taking somebody's life or stealing from somebody. Or being unfaithful. And Peterson's point is that, especially when it comes to Pinocchio, you don't want your rationality interfering. It's the wrong time for it. It's the wrong place for it. You want to suspend disbelief. You want to believe that magic makes the garden grow. Because when you believe that, you realize you're motivated at the beginning and end of the day by things you can't prove. You know, faith is really identity. Knowing what you are, who you are, what you want, where you've come from. In your own life and the ancestors before you. Faith is identity. It's identity much deeper than any sex or gender or race or political party or the music you like. It's not any of those things in particular. It's a whole collection of those things. And as Peterson says, to wish upon a star is to put your eyes above the horizon and to pick a transcendent point and to wish for something, to want for something that's beyond the concrete and immediate. And to become virtuous and not be a puppet, as I felt so long in my life. Like I'm a puppet to this political party, I'm a puppet to this college curriculum, or a puppet to this high school curriculum. And in many ways, I've had a charmed life. Why are you even complaining? Don't be a puppet. Aim at something transcendent. And maybe something transition, or transcendent is transitioning into becoming a virtuous person itself. Maybe virtue and becoming a better person is worth it in the end. Do good for good's sake. Not because Santa's watching, but be good for goodness sake if I could be so childish. And I sat back after watching this Peterson lecture and going, huh, you got that much meaning from a Disney movie? But he's right. And at that time during that Disney cruise, I was wrong. Magic does make the garden grow. Magic is what helps us get through tragic times. And magic is as real as any story we craft. And where we get into trouble is when we start to make our stories, our narratives about ourselves in the larger world, about these immediate, concrete things, these incomplete things that our political parties and ideologies are incomplete stories. And in many cases, our legal system, our laws, do a very terrible job of telling any sort of story.
But when you look at the whole of, say, just the American story and your life and your part in that larger narrative, that there will be plenty of good and bad. That when you look back, America hasn't always been on the side of the angels. And the people in it have been just as flawed as you or I and the people that came before. But they grasp onto some part of what it means to be human that has allowed the world to flourish in many ways. So you could ask, what's the biggest news story of the year? Is it fake news itself? A phrase that seems to be all over the world now? Putin's using it. It's in the mouths of many Chinese people. Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, in my opinion, have well been fake news mongers. And the media has often gotten things wrong because they're blinded by their partial narrative, their agenda. So is the biggest news story of the year fake news itself? It's the biggest news story, maybe the heroic actions of people in the midst of natural disasters like the hurricanes that hit the South? Is it maybe mass shootings, destructive behavior? Is it Donald Trump's achievements or the booming economy? Or the Russia investigation? Now, I think the biggest story of the year continues to be the larger story that we're inheriting from the past. And that we're now at a crossroads where our ability to create might mean that we have the ability to destroy everything. That our ability, for instance, to communicate with the internet has in many ways actually recreated the Tower of Babel. And it didn't take God on high to come and confuse our languages. No, we're doing the work ourselves. It's not that one side proffers in fake news or falsity or that tragedy strikes or that people act heroically in tragic time. I think the biggest trend right now that we all must pay attention to is that we are failing to make moral sense of our abilities. Failing to foster understanding when everything seems mad and insane. Failing to take a drive away from the city, look up at the night sky, free from any man-made light, and wonder as our ancestors did. Or maybe the biggest news story is that, in fact, there are people doing all those things, trying to make sense of this world, trying to let down their swords and find peace and understanding. Does that mean there will always be peace and understanding? Of course not. Not naive. What do you do when you have a situation like North Korea? 
throw your hands up. You could be way too aggressive. You could be way too passive. It's not something I think anybody understands how to solve. Never before in human history have we had a situation exactly like this. Never before in human history have we seen the rise of China along with Russia's revanchism. In the United States will somewhat decline. There are analogies. There are some things we can learn from. But we are living in the era of the rise of the mad prophets. Where everybody's got a story. And what I resolve to do, because again, it's worth it, is to try to understand the larger narrative. And not just the ones that make me uh, feel as though I'm vindicated. Maybe as I study and try to foster virtue in my life, as I try to become healthier, as I struggle with my own flaws and tragedies all around, maybe I'll find some sort of understanding that upsets the ideas I went in with. Now, there are a lot of ways to deal with this world. Some people turn to their old-time religion. Some people turn to politics. Some people turn to where I'm going, faith and understanding, individuality. But at the end of the day, I don't really know where I'm going. I think most people, when they're really pushed and they have their back against the wall, would admit the same thing. Even when it seems like you have everything figured out, you're making plenty of money, you've got a great family. You did a good deed today. Once that goal is accomplished, what's next? You know, it's a great question. What's next? Well, if we set our goals high enough and see the things deeper within ourselves beyond our, well, ego and our political fights and our religious fights, and we start to see the truth of our larger narratives, we can find that the journey never ends. It's not about reaching the summit. It's about trying for it. It's not about actually finding understanding. It's actually making the effort to set your own goals and achieve them, even if it might cause pain and suffering, even though it might be quite a struggle. No, I'm not reading anything tonight, folks. I'm just in an introspective mood. Again, Ben, I'm going to miss you. And to all those who have maybe listened for three months and put up with my musings, 
Well, what's next? We'll find out. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Joey Clark. Talk to you tomorrow night. Joey Clark. When you wish upon a star 